Hello, I know, I know, I know, I know. You weren't expecting an episode of the podcast to drop today. This is unusual. This is not normal. Uh, but guess what? This episode is not normal. This is an episode in a series of bonus episodes that are going to be dropping. Um, what's happening here is, is I'm having a chat with someone who is super passionate about a topic and I've invited them on to come talk about that topic so that we can all sort of bask in that enthusiasm, in that love, in that passion. We all know people like this. We are people like this, right? We all love something so deeply that we want to talk about it all of the time. And that's where the idea for these bonus episodes uh, came from. The other thing that is unusual about this is that usually I have female guests on the podcast and these bonus episodes are all male guests. That's right. Unusual. I know. The podcast has been on for two or three years and I've never had a male guest on the show before and now I do. And my hope, my desire, my wish for these bonus episodes are one, that you listen to them irregardless of what the topic is and whether it's something that you're super, super interested in. Um, I hope that when you're listening to it, you sort of get to just bask in that energy, um, that you get to sort of feel that enthusiasm through the audio. And you can just sort of, you know, it's kind of like opening a can of Coke and you get to drink that and, and then you can go back to doing whatever it is that you were doing, but you got to hang out in that energy for a while. That's that's where the idea originated. Um, I'm very excited about these bonus episodes. I hope you enjoy them and um, let's get into it. to this episode, I have Emil as a guest. Emil! Woo! Emil! Woohoo! <laughs> yeah, yeah, you're so excited that he's here. Hi, <laughs> Hi hey. Emil. How are you? I'm good. How are you? Um, I'm doing pretty well, I, uh, all things considered. I could be doing a lot worse, I guess is my point. Mm. But being completely honest, the days have been blurring together. I'm not too happy about that. But I'm very happy I'm, I get to talk to you right now about a subject that I love. <laughs> I'm very excited. Like. I'm very excited to have you talk about this subject. Um, Quarantine do, brain, baby. Do 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 you want to <laughs> spill the secret or no? Uh, yeah, this is the second time we're recording this. Because <laughs> I it wasn't is. happy with the sound quality of my recording uh, <laughs> last time. And it, I'm being very egotistical. Also... Joanna informed me. I will say that that's a small, a smaller part of the reason I wanted to come back. But you told me that you you recorded some other interviews and mm-hmm. they've all been under an hour, and we went for like two hours. We did. <laughs> so like, we did. Uh, yeah. Yeah, and I thought like, well, that's unfair. That's <laughs> to to everybody. So we'll we'll try our best. Actually, if you're listening to the podcast, you know how successful we've been. <laughs> Because you will true. be able to see how long this episode is. Right now, I'm still very hopeful. But boy, <laughs> I'm so sorry if that says two hours and 30 minutes left. 
No, so I'm, I'm actually quite excited because indeed we have spoken about wrestling before. We've recorded a whole episode that was two hours long and now we've decided to come back and re-record it. Uh, my mission is to try to keep the episode to under an hour, 60 minutes. I'm thinking we'll probably go for an hour and a half, but that's mm-hmm. my mission. Uh, your mission <laughs> is to be just as excited as you were the first time around. <laughs> I will be. I know that you like hearing about wrestling. The main, mm-hmm. the, the only reason I won't be excited about wrestling is I have any inkling that the person that I'm talking to doesn't really have any interest in it whatsoever. And mm. then I'm like, I don't, I don't need to talk to you about wrestling. We can talk about a bazillion other things. Right. I mean, I deeply love wrestling. I could talk about it for six hours straight, as you noticed last <laughs> time. But if I have any any hook that I can hang on, like grab onto and feel like, yeah, you're just sort of here or like, oh, you asked about this because somebody told you that I like wrestling and you're trying to start a conversation, but I can't really go down this road. So I'm going to cut it short of it. Yeah, I love I love wrestling. <laughs> you, you do. You really, really you do. Think- and I want you to think about this <laughs> as we record it, not necessarily as like you've got to hook someone in, but I want you to think about it as like you, we're bottling up this enthusiasm that you have for wrestling. We're bottling it up in this episode so that whenever someone <laughs> needs like a little dose of enthusiastic, loving, passion, uh, that sounds weird. <laughs> <laughs> no, that's fine. I understand. Enthusiastic, loving, passion. Yeah. That works. Um, they can just open this up and be like, right? Like, oh, this is what it sounds like if somebody truly, deeply loves something deeply, deeply flawed. Well, <laughs> well and, 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 and what I hope is that it just like, it's like them taking a bath in that energy. And then after right. the hour is done, they're like, oh, great. This oh. is fun. Maybe I'll go watch some wrestling. Maybe not. Doesn't matter. But they've yeah. got to sort of bask in that enthusiasm with you and the glory of my loving of wrestling all right yeah Yeah. i I think we can do that (laughs) i think we can because that's what happened to me when i started talking about wrestling with you so you got me super interested and this is why i asked you to come on and talk about wrestling on the podcast on these bonus episodes because it worked for me (laughs) (laughs) How, how many do you remember how many times i checked in with you to make sure that this is actually something you wanted to hear yeah, yeah, uh, plenty of times. Every time, every time, you're like, "Are you sure? Should I continue talking about it's this?" Like... It's yeah, you're very polite in that sense. So thank you. <laughs> it's just when I'm if I'm talking to somebody, I want them to enjoy the conversation as well. I do, I, I do not want to have a conversation where I'm just talking to myself essentially. Like that's yeah. no fun. Yeah, makes sense. Like I want to have an I want to have an exchange of ideas of some sort and not just. Hey, this is what I think. I really don't care if you like this or not. <laughs> if I did, I would start my own podcast. Right. Cut, yeah. cut to no. Uh-huh. Cut cut to ne- yes. <laughs> but also, I was gonna say cut to like next week, me announcing that I have a podcast. <laughs> uh, which which could all always be a thing. It could always be. I a love thing. broadcasting. Yeah. yeah. If so I, let's um, let, let's start at the beginning for you, because yeah. um, I'd like to know how it is that you even got into wrestling. I mean, that's such a good question, because uh, to the people who don't know me, I'm Dutch. And yeah. uh, the wrestling we're going to be talking about is American wrestling, as mm. I love to refer to it as, because that seems to be sort of the universal shortcut to uh, everybody understanding. Oh, you mean Hulk Hogan and John Cena and The Rock, that type of wrestling? Uh, oiled up muscly dudes in their underwear. That's like, <laughs> yep. 
To be fair, amateur wrestling that happens at the Olympics is kind of the same thing. They're mostly oiled-up dudes. Uh, <laughs> but yeah, the show wrestling, if you will. Mm. And that's mainly, or used to be certainly, mainly big in America. Now it's it's a bit more of a global thing where uh, I certainly have noticed, uh, now that I'm almost exclusively wearing wrestling shirts <laughs> all, all the time, I, I yeah, it doesn't really matter where I am. Uh, mm. I'll get usually one person uh, come up to me like, "Hey, shit, AJ Styles," uh, or "Oh my God, The Undertaker," or "Oh shit, whatever." Mm-hmm. Uh, <laughs> those are all wrestlers. That, like, those are all wrestlers, obviously. Yeah, not just friends of mine. <laughs> <laughs> I wish. Uh, <laughs> um, yeah, and certainly not a Dutch thing. And the Dutch culture is very. Uh, very conservative in that way mm. when it comes to showmanship. It's mm-hmm. as as soon as uh, there's a hint of attitude in like a celebrity, they will usually get slammed, and mm-hmm. it's ever so slightly turning, but not a lot. Like if if the, if we have, if the Dutch have any, if they get a whiff of arrogance or that you feel that you're above somebody else, you'll get knocked the hell down. So any sort of real showmanship is not really appreciated or it has to have like a very specific specific spot so it's a weird thing for any dutch person to be interested in just culturally that's not really what we're geared towards uh and so it did take me going to a different country (laughs) to get even exposed (laughs) to to uh this wrestling and um we we used to go to vacation in belgium and france uh in the ardennes a lot um and mostly it was camping vacations, and then mm-hmm. we start, and then we we upgraded to uh, <laughs> renting a little cottage uh, and uh, arriving in the middle of the night, um, which was always very exciting. Uh, <laughs> and then, you know, and 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 spent a week or two maybe uh, in there. Mm-hmm. And I think it must have been one of the first times I was ten years old. It was ninety seven, um, when it, the little cottage had a little TV, and um, it didn't have any of the Dutch television channels. So after discovering that, I kind of lost interest because, like, I don't want to watch Belgian television or just German stuff. Like, oh, all right, fine. I'll go outside. <laughs> uh, but then late at night, I was like bored and, and everybody was sort of doing their own thing and meandering. Turn on the TV. I uh, came across this channel, TNT. Um, and there on my screen was wrestling. And it's. I never saw anything like that, and that's why mm. I stopped. And it's it felt kind of like a cartoon, so I was like, "All right, I'll I'll check this out." And <laughs> what's this guy with the face paint doing there? And it's all these really big, big characters that were on my screen arguing mm. and fighting over stuff, and um, what felt like a cartoon slash movie, which was intriguing and exciting. And I, mm-hmm. I think I must have heard about it a little bit. To, to know, be like, oh, this is that American wrestling, that show wrestling that I've heard so much about. Mm. Or that I've heard once about, whatever. Um, but boy, that was an immediate hook, line, and sinker for me. Mm. Um, because after that, it became... Whenever we would go on vacation, like so every summer vacation, essentially, it's not like we went out a lot. <laughs> so, uh, we weren't that rich. Um we, I, one of my prerequisites to that vacation was like, but can we please go to a cottage that has a TV that has TNT? Because on Thursday night at one a.m., that's when I get to watch wrestling, <laughs> uh, which is insane for a ten-year-old to be like, "I'm fine wherever the hell we go, but I need my TV time." 
I need access to it because we don't. Because when I got home, I must have looked for it, for it there as well. Like, oh, is this some hidden channel that that, right. that I've just not come across or something? And they're like, nope, it's not. No. It's part of the pack TV package deal that that region has or something. I mean, I still don't know why. Yeah. Um, but yeah, that became <laughs> constant, truly a constant thing. Um, and and my parents were kind of supportive in, in that sense, <laughs> where they they. they I mean, they like the cottage. I don't know if the reason why we went back was me. I doubt it. Uh, <laughs> I highly doubt. It. <laughs> but when I when I got back, that you know, then you have your first deepening of uh, of of the love that I gained the first time around mm -hmm. um, of of the sheer dramatics and theatrics of of it all. Mm -hmm. um, and that so that was ninety seven. So that slowly grew because then in ninety nine, my dad went to America for the very first time. And he brought back um, some wrestling stuff, like a DVD mm. uh, of, of one of their pay-per-views. And for the kids who don't know what pay-per-view is, because everything is on-demand, that's essentially what pay-per-view is. It's an on-demand thing, but it goes through your cable company. Mm. Uh, and they would, like the, the WWE, uh, one of the biggest uh, companies around, or the biggest company around these days, they uh, structure their shows where they have four TV episodes and then there's one pay-per-view rinse and repeat mm -hmm. so you have then you have a little bit of storyline and conclusion or heightening and then more storyline conclusion mm -hmm. etc but what i saw was just a regular schedule of programming from not wwe but wcw uh because it's just multiple companies <laughs> <laughs> which, which makes it all the more complicated to talk about wrestling <laughs> to anybody <laughs> to be like all right. Because, well, because if you usually talk about a TV show, you're going to be like, well, there's seven seasons. Right. This is the cast. This yeah. is the overall storyline. When you talk about Game of Thrones, you're like, all right, so you have Game of Thrones, but then you also need to watch uh, this other TV show that talks about a completely different region uh, where sometimes the actors also show up, but usually don't. Uh, and it's a completely different set cast of characters that storyline wise doesn't really interact with the other TV show, but it's really fun to watch as well. And in five years, this is going to make a little bit more sense and it's going to make it a little bit more exciting. Right. Um, yeah. So that's also a problem I run into when talking about wrestling. Um, anyway, uh, <laughs> with that, uh, um, and then my dad went to America in like 2000 or 2001 again. And then he brought home another a different DVD, um, which uh, was from their biggest event, WrestleMania. Mm -hmm. So once a year, they have their big sort of season finale, if you will, uh, for the listeners at home, mm -hmm. uh, called WrestleMania. And it's yeah, it's a big season finale. It's the best way to describe it. Mm -hmm. But with that DVD came uh, a retelling of all the previous WrestleManias that had happened before then, at that point, mm -hmm. 15. Um, and that gave me so much insight already into the, the history that was behind this event and the history and the cast of characters uh, that I did not know about but were important in that time. Right. And if I feel like if the WWE and wrestling in general, is, is if they're good at one thing, it's making things feel important. They, they can make the most insignificant thing feel like the most important thing in the world. Uh, and that fascinates me to no end. Mm -hmm. Um because I found that I found that starting to be true in a lot of other things to something as simple as like band names, for instance, is mm -hmm. like the, the, the naming of your band is super important. But also you two essentially is not a great band name. It's a fucking <laughs> letter and a number. It's a terrible band name. Right. However, when you produce a song like Sunday, Bloody Sunday, it's like, all right, mm -hmm. we'll go along with it. 
mm-hmm. and then you keep on cracking along with producing uh you know classic albums in the early 90s is like it validates it and it mm-hmm. doesn't matter uh and that name starts to mean something and these right. days it means they just put music on your phone that you don't want but it used <laughs> to be closely associated with quality music yeah but essentially it's a terrible name it's not the worst <laughs> name but it's also not a great name but they made that important uh and th- I, I love that and mm. it's it's something that i've used in my daily job as an improv tech all the time is is to make insignificant moments mean something mm-hmm. um, before we make it too complicated. Mm-hmm. Um, and if a psychiatrist was here, it's like, yeah, and you should apply that to your own life too. You know? <laughs> uh, <laughs> stop overthinking shit. <laughs> so what is it about wrestling that makes you um, keep coming back? Is it now because you're so invested in the storylines? Or is it is there more to it than just like, oh, I need to know what's going to happen to The Undertaker this year? <laughs> just throwing Wait out the it. names that i know yeah yeah no this is well done i like it <laughs> it's just a rarity that somebody does that to me <laughs> uh i mean raw emotion is kind of what it boils down to and it's one of those things i feel where it comes and goes and it's not always present and it's a minority of the wrestlers that can actually produce that raw emotion mm-hmm. in the ring and mm-hmm. translate that to an interesting match or an interesting storyline. Um, but, but that's kind of the same thing for any sort of long-running TV show is, yeah, not every character is as interesting as, as the next one. Right. Uh, the, the, there's only so many you, you can love and, and uh, follow along for, for years. Uh, and then overall, when you mix all of that together, that there's yeah there's definitely been phases where i haven't watched wrestling at all and then come back to it uh mm. that you know grab me again um it, oh. yeah but the but the initial thing was very much the th- this looks to boil it down this looks silly these are men in tights uh <laughs> that have zero issue with each other but there's a problem and boy, do do they believe that that problem is important to them. It's so important, in fact, that they're about to fight. Oh, my God, they're fighting. Uh, <laughs> and this is impressive now what they're doing. Um, also, oh, another thing for the people, uh, for everybody who's listening. And, and when they start to uh, and have been maybe wondering now for the last 15 minutes, they'll be like, hey, Emil, isn't wrestling fake? Mm. Uh and my initial answer is always like, yeah, at what point did you ever think watching this that this was real? I thought it was real when I first saw it as a kid. Really? Yeah. So when I was a kid and I saw it, I I, I, I don't remember. I, all I remember is Hulk Hogan and probably The Undertaker. I don't know if they ever fought each other, but those are the two characters that I remember um, mm-hmm. from being when I was younger. And They're... I watched it and thought, oh, my God, this is so violent. I, I can't handle this. And then I remember having a dream later you know in my life or during that year i don't know when it was but i had a dream that hulk hogan (laughs) um attacked my dad oh no (laughs) yeah and so that put me off of wrestling forever until i met you or until my friend uh decided that she wanted to become a wrestler and i was like okay well now i I, i'm curious as to why this is something that people would even want to get into (laughs) but yeah so for the longest time i was like this is i didn't think it was fake I guess it kind of depends on how young you are and what you've been exposed to as well. Yeah. Uh, to know my my uh, rationale is very much if you've ever seen a real fight, then mm. 
like there's no question one like the moment show wrestling starts to happen is like well obviously this is not real this is just not how real fight happens this is not how boxing like if you ever sit down and watch a boxing match it's mm-hmm. it's very it's more like chess it's like they're trying to feel each other out and there's elements of that in wrestling sometimes if they want to tell that story of yeah. oh they've never met they're trying to feel each other out or as opposed to oh they've been rivals for a long time and we're going to start off with them countering each and every move to tell you the story that they know each other very well and it's going to take something special for one to beat the other. Mm-hmm. Uh, and that doesn't happen in a bar fight or <laughs> in a fight on the street. It just doesn't. They're fucking wailing on each other. There's no there's no strategy. There's no, oh, if I make this move, how does that other person react? Because right. that, that's the difference between, like for instance, well, let's say wrestling and boxing. It's like with boxing, that doesn't have the same frantic energy as a bar fight has because boxers are very good at what they do and they know every single it's like somebody who's good at good at chess is like oh if you make one single move they can tell you the next 126 permutations or something that could follow from that one move Mm -hmm. and boxers good ones anyway are the same like oh if i make this move there's a couple of options that you now have to react to this and based on that reaction i make a a new assumption that i'm going to test out with my next move or my next fake out or my next little jab to see how you react to that to see what mental state you're in how physically where you are how fast you react uh where where are the openings that i can now hopefully hurt you and knock you out because that's the point of boxing (laughs) and with a bar fight it's just i'm gonna punch as hard and fast as i possibly can and that's Mm -hmm. most real life fights it's they (laughs) They last for about a minute tops because mm-hmm. there's so much energy into that all at, all at once and nobody's trained for it. Uh, yeah, so in my my thinking, as soon as you've seen that and you've seen if you, if you've seen show wrestling, like well, then clearly this is not real. Yeah. Like that's the why. Also, why would somebody you know put on face paint for a fight? That makes no sense. That will only get in your eye. Well, uh, I guess, I guess <laughs> as a kid, I just assumed wrestling, like show wrestling and boxing, were. Um, very similar in that sense right like it's athletes and they're doing this thing and in boxing like you do see the blood and like people getting knocked out and stuff like that and I guess in wrestling when I saw it when I was younger I was like oh this is the same thing it's the the same thing is happening yeah no it takes place in a ring and if you've not been exposed to anything else it's like you're not alone in this I I also want to say that you're (laughs) you're not alone Uh, because most probably wrestlers that grew up for the longest time you know were interested in it because they did think it was real Mm -hmm. And if you're in there, you know, in the arena with a couple thousand people, and uh, and blood is or was used mm-hmm. in wrestling as very much to sort of convince everybody, like, hey, this is real. There's real danger here. Mm-hmm. Um, that you would easily like, yeah. Uh, why wouldn't this be real? Yeah. Then it becomes a question of like, oh, why wouldn't this be real? There, they seem to be hurting each other. Yeah. Uh, so. And certainly, if you're younger, you're not thinking about pacing and why that yeah. doesn't make sense for a real fight, right. or why somebody would, after hitting somebody, go to the crowd and you're like, "Ah, oh, you like that?" It's like, yeah, you 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 wouldn't do that. <laughs> Only if you're a bad guy beating up on a good guy, you want to get the the hateful reaction of the crowd because that's just good character work. <laughs> right. So, would you say, um, uh, because you you make you, you make an interesting point indeed about pacing and um, about um darn it i forgot what my question was <laughs> that's fine i can i can talk about something that can wait, lead wait. on from this <laughs> no nope. but 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 no i mean this isn't the, the i had two i had two like follow-up questions okay to go that. sorry 
But the first one, the one that I do remember. Um, so is it because it's fake? Okay, there's several things now coming up. One, did they ever try to make it come off as real? Like, did they try to convince people that it was ever real? Or was it always like, no, this is a show. It's a performance. Ah, great. Uh, yeah. So, <clears throat> excuse me. <clears throat> so the so the thing I wanted to keep talking about was, in fact, the the use of the word fake, mm. uh, because when you say that, all wrestling fans all around the world get offended, uh, because people do get hurt, and mm -hmm. it's not everybody can do this. Um, because they're on the road for 300 days out of the year and uh, they're, they're therefore they're rarely home they have uh, five six shows in a week um, so it like it takes its toll and it's not something that's easy um, as they like to what is the sort of the most accepted term is there's a predetermined outcome mm -hmm. because that that is the most simple way to put this there's there's a predetermined outcome uh, because uh, other people are like, oh, so the, what they 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 choreograph everything out. I was like, well, yeah. If you only have a match that lasts four minutes, then you might as well do that. Mm -hmm. So because well, you take care of it, you literally go over every single move because you only have four minutes, and that just makes it easier. But if you're out there in the main event and you have a half an hour, most common is that you don't plan everything out. You but you know who's gonna go over, uh, who's gonna win. And there's about five points in that 30 minutes that you know you want to hit dramatically. It's like, oh, we want to, uh, you know, throw you through that table over there at mm -hmm. a certain point. Or uh, we want to be on the outside for this. Or um, we have this cool spot that we want to do over here in the corner uh, that's going to look cool. And we want to get there and that's going to have this reaction. But how we're going to get there, we're going to have to feel out from the audience reaction. Right. Uh, so the audience plays a, plays a big part in that. Uh, and that, that leads nicely into the birth of show wrestling anyway, uh, which started in, you know, the fairs and carnivals. Uh, and, and because of that, still quite a lot of the lingo within wrestling is, is carny talk. <laughs> Terms like face, heel, and kayfabe. Kayfabe, which is the, stands for the wrestling reality, essentially, uh, is what it comes down to, um, mm -hmm. are all carny terms. And what it used to be was real wrestling. And they did have actual wrestlers fighting each other uh, for real. Right. Until at a this? certain point, uh, this would be like uh, early, early 20th century. Okay. That would, was still happening. I mean, wrestling has been happening since the Egyptians. <laughs> like, you, if you go into a pyramid, there's going to be some yeah. drawings. Of but that's like there. the wrestling that we see at like the Olympics and stuff, right? Yeah. And that's what it was for the longest time. Right. Um, and then what they kind of figured out at a certain point was, uh, hey, guys we all have families that we like to keep feeding and if you hurt me i can't perform and i can't earn money and mm -hmm. therefore i can't feed my family so how about we start taking care of each other just a little bit how about we Aww. don't go out there and break each other's arms and well, like sweet. when we try to yeah <laughs> but you know for, for that to go over like it can't look like a pillow fight so it still needs to look real so wh where just... did all the face painting and the costumes come from? Then? Oh, we'll get there. We'll get oh, there. Okay. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> so for so then for a long period of time, so this sort of this turn started happening uh, in sort of the mid 1920s, 
when the match that is attributed to sort of as the turning point is a match between was between an actual wrestler and a football player at the time. Hmm. And it was like it's a it's a stunt match. Nothing new in wrestling. That that stuff still happens. Floyd Mayweather uh had a fight at WrestleMania a uh, featherweight boxer against one of their biggest wrestlers. Like mm-hmm. that's that's the carny part of of wrestling essentially. Um so everybody who came to that match just kind of went there to see this football guy get his ass kicked by this wrestler. <laughs> <laughs> and then he won after a hard-fought match. The football player won, and which was super exciting because it was completely unexpected and everybody uh, was was so surprised by it that next time that carnival came back to town, everybody went back because mm-hmm. they got, they had such a good time that time. Mm-hmm. Uh, that you know, last time they came around, we had this fight and this football guy fucking won from this wrestler. How the hell is that possible? It's amazing. It was so exciting. Like they went for you know forty five minutes, and boy, like I, he would have lost, but he managed to win. Right. And there is the little drama that starts seeping in that draws people back in. And so for, I would say up until like the sixties, it still very much had that amateur wrestling type of style, mm-hmm. um, within the ring. And, uh, I don't know in, in England, it, it lasted for quite a while longer. There was wrestling with rounds, uh, like you would mm-hmm. have in boxing. Mm-hmm. Um, but a lot of classic holds and a lot of, but if you would watch it, you would feel like, Oh, this is, this is amateur wrestling. You would see at, um, at the Olympics. Mm-hmm. Uh, or, you know, Greco-Roman wrestling, as it's also referred to. Uh, I was going to say, they call it amateur wrestling at the Olympics. <laughs> so random. They do. Well, yeah, that style is referred to as amateur wrestling, which is ridiculous. And in fact, like, the, the show wrestling is referred to as professional wrestling. Wow. <laughs> <Yes>. uh, <laughs> it's weird, but yeah, I mean, you should ask the Olympics about that, because everybody who, for the longest time, that could attend the Olympics were meant to be amateurs. That's a whole different story. Oh, uh, okay. Yeah, it wasn't for the longest time that I was like, you know what? Professionals can take part in this as well. Otherwise, <laughs> this is, I mean, it's, a, yeah, it's, a, you know, take part is important, is more important than winning. But, uh, yeah, they kind of figured out at a certain point that that was not the case. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> anyway, the, 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 how we get to face paint is that, uh, as with anything, stuff needs to evolve. Like mm-hmm. with sports, we're currently don't we currently don't have the same rules we had even last year, but certainly not the same rules that we had ten years ago. Mm-hmm. A lot of it's the same, but there's also a lot of things that have changed. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, and you can go to your own favorite sport and and see what has actually changed. Because uh, I'm not gonna go through all the sports. <laughs> But stuff, but stuff needs to evolve. Uh, hell, even if you look at fashion and sports, like that changes all the time. Mm-hmm. To to uh, to incorporate the newest techniques and try and go faster, and you know you wouldn't be caught dead in the in ninety sports gear. Good God, uh, <laughs> it's it, it can be very time specific. Um, and for wrestling, it became a thing of well, we need to evolve because we need people to keep coming back. And at a certain point, if you just keep feeding people the same stuff over and over again you get bored with it mm-hmm. um and so these slightly more exaggerated characters started happening and more uh, not necessarily flamboyant is the wrong word uh but more instead of just ah here's a here's a here's a here's an angry wrestler and ah here's another angry wrestler let's see who's best mm-hmm. it became more of there's a guy in there with with beautiful blonde hair stepping into the ring and he's he seems very preoccupied with keeping his hair to intact I don't like that. Please kick his ass. <laughs> and that evolved into 
what is that rope he's wearing? Why are there diamonds on there? Are those, why you're a fighter? What are you doing? Please kick his ass. <laughs> yeah. Um. So they they started to see that. Wait a minute. If we have a clear good guy and a clear bad guy, it becomes more exciting to watch. And mm-hmm. they started to find the room in there to play with that character and to make that bigger. And they've slowly over time found all these different ways that you could have bad guys and good guys that they Mm -hmm. didn't necessarily need to be uh, the exact same blueprint essentially Mm -hmm. um although pretty much if you follow any any wrestler's career in their first couple of years they are sort of always the quintessential good guy and the quintessential bad guy Mm -hmm. it is very generic and it's it's only over years that you find your specific character Mm -hmm. um and certainly these days there there can be big changes and a lot of big swings to try and make that work uh, but yeah, then, you know, the theatricality starts seeping in. Mm-hmm. And so, like I said, up until the sixties, probably like eh, pretty traditional wrestling. If you watch any wrestling from that era, it all looks very traditional. Mm-hmm. Um, and then when you enter the seventies, that very much starts to change. And then, um, I should explain a little bit about how wrestling evolved in that sense. So it, it still happens at carnivals. It still happens at fairs up until this very day. Mm-hmm. Uh, but you had all these, what they refer to as territories all over the United States and Canada and Mexico, where there's just an area where one organization runs the place and that's their, that's their area. That's their towns that they run mm-hmm. shows in. And they have, you know, you have a, a set bunch of wrestlers that are from there. Um, and so, in Memphis, for instance, you had Jerry the King Lawler. Mm-hmm. And already, it's like, all right, well, so there's a very specific nickname there. Uh, he comes to do a ring wearing a crown, <laughs> and he and he was a hero there. Mm-hmm. And uh, Jerry the uh, the King Lawler had this feud with Andy Kaufman, and mm. that's important to tell because Andy Kaufman, uh, the comedian, is very important. I feel in wrestling history for truly making the turn in blurring all the lines between what's real and what is not mm-hmm. what is part of that kayfabe the the wrestling reality and what is part of uh earth reality or worldly <laughs> reality or actual reality <laughs> uh because andy kaufman was an actual comedian and that is how he represented himself in the ring as mm-hmm. a comedian from hollywood mm-hmm. And he was the guy, he was, it was this new dimension of, I'm better than you because I make movies, yeah. you Memphis scum. Yeah. How dare you look at me and think you're better than me? You don't know what soap is. And he was, he was the first who truly made a wrestling promo, like talking people into buildings. It was like, hey, I'm going to kick your ass and take that to a new level. Because up, in that point, up until that point, it pretty much was, I'm better than you and I'm going to kick your ass. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Which isn't... And, you know, that's fine for a lot of people that can wear like, great, I'll go, I'll go watch that. Mm-hmm. But if there's this guy from Hollywood very calmly telling all the women in, in Memphis, Tennessee, that, you know, explaining to them, this is a bar of soap. Now, you've probably never seen this before. <laughs> so yeah. I'm going to tell you how this works. That's infuriating. And you would pay good money to go to the arena to see Jerry Lawler kick his, kick his ass. ass. Yeah. <laughs> Drill him into the ground because that asshole tells me I don't know what a bar of soap is. I'm pretty, damn it. I have personal hygiene, damn it. Uh, yeah. And, and and they're famous. Please go watch Man of the Moon with Jim Carrey because uh, mm-hmm. it's a wonderful movie. Uh, but also, yeah, it's very truthful in its in its storytelling. Mm-hmm. And it's uh, – I haven't watched it in like 10 years now, I think. But 
I seem to remember the last time that I watched it that I felt like, yeah, and you still don't have like a definitive answer of what was real and what wasn't. No, you don't. And that, yeah, and that, and that's kind of still true to this day, even with the most recent Jim Carrey uh, documentary. Um, there, there's still a hint of, is this put on for the camera? Yeah, you still don't and know. That, uh, yeah, and that is, that is referred to as a work. Uh, you're being worked. Uh, which is sort of a nice term of you're being lied to. <laughs> you're being manipulated. You're being manipulated. This is like the, being worked is like this is part of television. They're lying to you to tell a story, mm -hmm. and but they're using real life elements. And so mm -hmm. that's how they draw you in. Yeah. Um, yeah. And I, I mean, obviously, I didn't know any of this when I was 10 years old. Like, <laughs> you know, you know, the reason why I'm interested in wrestling is the blurring of the lines between reality and non-reality. Right. <laughs> like, no, that's absolutely not it's then it's the athleticism the 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 selling of the punches the the, the yeah the the fighting each other over very not important things but making it seem important yeah. um yeah the presentation of that i find i found fascinating and that's the thing that has evolved because i mean for the majority of it it's still i'm better than you i'm gonna kick your ass and that is the basis of it and as andy kaufman himself referred to it as wrestling is the most simple form of theater mm. and that's how i that was sort of this eye-opening thing for me when i was something then i read his biography so i must have been like 14 15 mm -hmm. when i read his biography andy kaufman's uh, andy kaufman's biography yeah where that line was in, where retrospectively like, oh, because I've—I mean, I've been exposed to theater and interested in theater from a very young age. Like my parents were very keen on that, mm -hmm. um, and I realized, oh, this is nothing more than theater. This, I'm not necessarily interested in the fighting of it. I'm interested in the theatrics of it, and oh. why? Why is this character more important than this one? And um, yeah, you know, how 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 are they telling this story from week to week? Right. Um, because then you know. At the beginning, you don't know how television works in, in the sense of, you know, not a television set, but how how their television show works week to week. Yeah. Um, and when you figure out, oh, they don't have an off season. Like a season, a TV season stops after 24 episodes, but wrestling doesn't. Every mm -hmm. single week, they have a new episode of two to three hours, depending on which show you're watching, of new content, of new stories that they're, that they're wanting to tell you and mm -hmm. or stories that they need to progress that week. Uh, and that becomes a very interesting study in, oh, so it's this ever-going flow in which new wrestlers come and go. There's, but there's certain wrestlers, like The Undertaker, <laughs> who have been around uh, since the 80s and are still around. Obviously not full-time and every week, because the man is nearing his 60s at this point. <laughs> uh, and just physically can't do that anymore. But it's still around because his character is interesting enough. And they're yeah. finding new ways to make that character work so they can keep drawing money with it, essentially. Yeah. Um, because at the end of the day, it's still a business. Uh, well, it kind of so, reminds me of like the bold yeah. and the beautiful, or like a soap opera. That my grandma. <laughs> yes, used to it is. Watch. It is very yes, absolutely. It's the it's not subtle. That's why I mean that's the other part of it's the most simple form of theater, and um, and that's very much true. Mm -hmm. The I can also highly recommend South Park did an episode on wrestling, so wonderful because they put it like the boys have this wrestling federation, but nobody actually fights if i remember correctly it's just people in the ring talking about and then you slept with my wife you son of a bitch <laughs> uh, and but they do it in this amphitheater and and people get dressed up to go watch because it's essentially old greek opera and roman mm. theater and everything sort of mixed into one 
And when at a certain point, Vince McMahon, the boss of the WWE, you know, the biggest organization comes and he has a little booth and he has a little spectacles with which he watches the show. Um, and they're absolutely right. Like they're uh, as, as evolved as wrestling is these days. It still has, you know, deep roots in, in carny and fair showmanship, mm-hmm. which means there's some ridiculous. Ridiculous stuff in there. And that's why I said at the beginning, like, oh, that how can somebody love something so deeply flawed? <laughs> <laughs> because it's it's not like you know, I have I have other loves that mm-hmm. um I I would describe as perfect. Uh, Book mm-hmm. of Mormon as a musical, I find absolutely perfect. And anybody who says otherwise, I will punch in the face for real. <laughs> mm-hmm. Not fake like wrestling. But but I will def- I will more I think I would defend Book of Mormon more uh vigorously than I would wrestling mm-hmm. uh as an art form in that in that sense. Um even though wrestling has paved the way for me as far as my theatrical career and and my creative career. Oh. Uh, I'm highly influenced by wrestling more so than Book of Mormon. Um, but you know, that's, uh, I guess a little aside. Um, but yeah, soap opera is, is the absolute right word to use for wrestling because it is that, and it's taken to the absolute max. And the only kind of wrinkle I would add to that is that, uh, a soap opera like Bold and Beautiful is completely fictional where wrestling, uh, throughout its history has had very real elements interwoven into that soap opera uh, story yeah. element. And that becomes, uh, that can become very intricate and complex when trying to explain that to somebody. Mm. Um, it's like, no, 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 no. Okay, but this is what you all need to understand so that this moment becomes important. Mm. And Bold so, like, and the Beautiful in... doesn't, doesn't have that. I think mm. you can watch Bold and the Beautiful at any time. If you watch that for a month, you've probably caught up on everything that you need to know. Right. I, w- I would assume. Because everything is written out, so they take care of you every step of the way. But because you're dealing with real people and sometimes real story elements, things can change from a from you know week to week. Right in wrestling, and that's what and that's what it feels very overwhelming coming into wrestling now. And and I think that's also part of the reason why I'm like I like to hear you talk about it because you have so much knowledge and you know so much. <laughs> you kind of like lead me when I'm watching an episode or when I'm watching a, an episode a fight. <laughs> um, <laughs> <laughs> like just, you tell me some of the background yeah. that I need to understand in order to enjoy that match. Yeah. Yeah. But that but that's all I mean, but I can do that with you because I know you and I kind of know, I mean, not 100% obviously, but I know what your knowledge is on the subject and what I need to tell you. The minimum amount of information I need to tell you so you can keep watching and enjoying something. Mm. Um, and that's hard to do now to people who I don't know. Mm-hmm. Listen, like I don't know what I exactly need to tell you to explain a certain thing. So sometimes I'm going to keep most things probably very basic because yeah. otherwise I, I need to delve into this whole history of wrestling uh, or a history of a certain character. Um, so th- that's going to be broad strokes when kind of the thing the thing that i love about it most comes from the a rich history mm. and when it becomes super interesting and important uh, to uh, or a match becomes like super interesting and important if all of these things come together in this one single match mm-hmm. like it's not as if every single tv episode is a classic tv episode it's very much it's like a development checkup to like okay let's see where we're at (laughs) let's see where where everybody's at who's important who's fighting who okay this is where we're at um cool (laughs) where 
I think you could probably just watch the big events, the pay-per-views every month and also kind of keep up because they will, right before a match, give you a video package of three mm. minutes to catch you up in case you miss something. It's like, well, this is all the important bits of information that you need to know yeah. uh, if, if you're going to watch this. I'm like, okay, cool. Now, now, I'm, now I'm caught up. Uh, so as overwhelming as it is, and uh, I, I mean, I know a lot, but I don't know everything about wrestling. I, I mean, names and events, I come up short all the time. Uh, it's, it is kind of the same thing where I think you, you just have to devote a certain amount of time to it, uh, to let it just pass you by. I've, <laughs> I'm going to make a terrible analogy here or a comparison where it's like, you know, I, you can't really appreciate a brook babbling in front of you. If you sit there for a minute and then move on, you have to sit there for a little bit for that Zen thing to start happening and to understand like, Oh, this is why this is nice. Right. This is why people enjoy this. Oh, I see. Mm-hmm. And then you can still make up your mind like, all right, not for me. Or I don't need this all the time. Or, mm-hmm. okay, this exists, but I enjoyed the sea more, for instance. It's like, or the ocean waves right. better. It's like, I like that water better. Like, yeah, that's fine. I mean, water is water and it's just a different form of it. That's fine. <laughs> yeah. uh, that's, why, like, that's why people hate the word fake so much when it comes to wrestling because... As an argument for it, it's like, well, no, but people do get hurt. Like the, the, some, and especially these days, where the the amount of athleticism that's present in wrestling these days is mind-boggling, mm-hmm. and has evolved so far from the days of Hulk Hogan and the Undertaker when they first started back mm-hmm. in the '80s. And um, it, it, yeah, there's bound to, to, for something to go wrong, and it feels yeah. disrespectful to say that that is fake. <laughs> yeah. But then it it gets used as an argument as well for the predetermined outcome. It's like, well, you're watching a fight, but they know how it's going to end. And uh, how is that different from any TV show that has fighting in it? It's not like they film a TV show and when they knew how Game of Thrones was going to end. They yeah. just didn't know how sucky it would be for the entire fan base, apparently. <laughs> but they knew how, how everything was going to turn out. Uh, I say this as a person who was trying to watch Game of Thrones and didn't get through it but i mean there was a this huge battle at the end and like even, even not watching that show it it filled my ig timeline uh and it's, it's not as if they just kind of shoot things and you know see who's actually stronger it's like no we want to tell an awesome fight here with a lot of people involved we better you know have a, a game plan and a blueprint for this so that yeah. it's exciting and apparently they filled with that but uh let's say lord of the rings for instance like that has many great great battles it's, it's not as if they go into that going well all right, let's see. Or Tolkien, even in the books, is not going to, as he's writing it, like, let's see who's going to. Like, no, Frodo and Sam need to get to the fucking mountain so we know who's going to win here. Yeah. <laughs> we, I need this outcome for this to work. And wrestling is no different. Yeah. But there's an element of realness to it, especially if you attend it live, where uh, every move just you know comes across that much harder because you actually see the people and feel like oh boy, these are actual human beings when on tv that can get lost sometimes obviously mm-hmm. because of tv screen and distance and it's like oh they fell you know three uh three meters to the floor that's that's all right there's matting there it's like no that hurts that <laughs> that yeah. just hurts yeah it's on a it's on a judo mat essentially but having done judo for a lot of my life like that that still hurts it doesn't feel good yeah. Like, there's only so many ways that you can protect yourself falling down from a certain height. It's like, yeah, no, it's, it's you try and land as best as you can and move on. And obviously, you, you don't do it on concrete. There's yeah. a bit of give. But, yeah, anybody who's ever stepped in a, in a wrestling ring as a non-wrestler and taken a fall on that will tell you, like, oh, that hurts. And even wrestlers, if they've taken time off for an injury and they come back, 
and they they uh they have to work off what what is referred to as ring rust mm. um to tell you like oh that first bump when you fall down for the first time even veterans who have done it for 20 years will go whoo that takes the sin out of, you know the wind out of your sails there that yeah. that hurts and yeah. then you sort of just get used to that pain there's yeah. a certain there's there's, there's um, a, like a, a yeah a ring fitness where you feel like oh i just need to be in a certain rhythm for this pain to be okay and for my body to deal with this yeah. And if I'm not in that rhythm, then it's just, it's going to suck and it's going to hurt much more. <laughs> yeah. Well, I, I mean, uh, uh, yeah. as I watched WrestleMania with you and and you've sent me some um, matches to watch and stuff, I do admire the athleticism and the, the fitness that's involved for these wrestlers now that I'm yeah, that, yeah, that's Yeah. Yeah. And we saw a guy who um, jumped from like a really high podium thing. <laughs> down onto a desk and yes. and that was really high it was really really high and i think what you yeah, were saying about, about like hmm it was about six meters or something i think yeah Five, it was really high <laughs> like no one should have done that no in my opinion <laughs> but there's this element of like you know when you talk about um there, there's a very real element to that yes these people are really jumping from that high they're really uh throwing themselves off of these ledges and things but it's also they have they know the outcome of the match. There's this like weird blend between like fake and real. Yes. And as an as a watcher, now that we've been talking about it a little bit, <laughs> um, part of it makes me go, and I'm wondering what for you what what it is for you because part of me goes, okay, um, okay, I know. It's not real. So I know that they've in some like they know what they're doing. So I know that they're going to be safe. But oh, my God, he's jumping from six meters high. Uh, 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 please take care of me as an audience member as well. And like we had that with the ladder match where it, where it was for me. It was just like this is so like I'm so anxious because so much could go wrong. Yeah. And then I asked you, like, is this choreographed? Like, do they know exactly every single step that they're going to take? And then you, and you told me, like, no, no, no. They just know the outcome and some of the beats. And so I, I'm, I'm not really sure where I'm trying to get it. I think this is what, like, um, sort of interests me and pulls me in and then also pulls me out of the wrestling is this idea of, like, hmm. okay, um, they know what they're doing, but also, ah, Oh, that's so dangerous. Oh, my God. Don't do that. Oh, get off of that ladder. <laughs> do you know what I mean? I do know what you mean. Yes. Um, all right. Here's a layered answer. So I, th I also know that I texted you about that. So, yeah, for most matches, they will have that. They know a couple points and then work out the rest based on audience reaction. Yeah. But for like the ladder match, for instance, that's. I would put that on the level of like a Lord of the Rings battle scene where like this is too intricate and too important for just just to wing it. Mm -hmm. Like for everybody's safety, everybody needs to be aware of what we're doing at what time mm -hmm. and, and how we're going to do it and how we're going to transition from this point to the next one. So I'm assuming they talked about that match a lot, especially because because of, you know, COVID-19, coronavirus. Uh, it, it was done in front of nobody, <laughs> which is weird. Yeah. Uh, so you just need to get through it, um, especially where for some of the other matches. And I, I think th in this case, this was a bit of a safer match in the sense of 
this was always going to go this way because they don't really have room to improvise because they're working with steel ladders and hitting mm-hmm. each other uh, with steel ladders and falling onto steel ladders and falling off steel ladders. So there's only you can't really improvise with that yeah. uh, for everybody's safety. Um, so so there's levels to that. Um, when that that danger you don't really get used to. At least I don't. Mm-hmm. Uh, be- because I, I don't, yeah, I don't know why. <laughs> because I'm a good human being. That's why. No, because <laughs> I don't know. It, I, the only thing I can think of is the first time that I saw it live in 2002. Mm-hmm. I, I went to a, a pay per view event in England, a UK exclusive pay per view event just for them. And <laughs> it was like on Sky TV or something. Uh, but it wasn't broadcast in the United States. Now we can get it on the WDB network online. We can all watch it. And it's and it's great because I can watch that event. I mean, I have it on DVD, obviously. Anyway, <laughs> not important. So the I'll, I'll talk you quickly through the, uh, the, uh, the, the quick learning curve at that event for me. So mm-hmm. one of the things when you're introduced to wrestling, commentary is such a huge part of, of the presentation of wrestling. Mm-hmm. There's two guys, one play-by-play who sort of tells the story of the match as is, yells out some of the moves when they happen, if he knows the words for it, that's kind of got lost over over the years. Some people hate it, some people don't mind. But essentially, like, yeah, the guy who just if you if you if you're looking away and you can still listen to the commentary, know what's going on. Mm. And then the other guy is called the color commentator, who's just pretty much there to add flavor uh, to the commentary to have the oh my gods this you know and this guy's an asshole and why is he doing that and while the other guy is trying to call the match. Uh, and that dynamic can work wonders. Like some people have a good working relationship in that sense, and some people don't. Um, wrestling fans will have different combinations of commentators that they love throughout history mm-hmm. because they work really well of one another. And it has created moments, especially with anxiety-inducing moments like people falling off ladders or cages, uh, that because you're not in the arena and you're not surrounded by a group of you know of, of ten, fifteen thousand people. Um, they have to translate that through a TV screen. Mm-hmm. But when you're there live, you don't hear them. They are just there for television. So all of a sudden watching a match becomes, oh, yeah, you have the big, you know, the big entrance of the two people or three, four, however many are in the match. And then they just start wrestling and it, it it's silent. That's so and weird. It's, and it's such a jarring moment to be like, wait, what's happening? Why don't I? Oh, no, because I, I need to watch them tell the story like they're mm. telling the story. <laughs> And I can, you know, and you can keep up much better live than you can on TV because of TV cuts and sometimes pacing of a match. Mm-hmm. But as I noticed, it's like not everybody's necessarily good at that. Or because of the time given, I later learned, like, if you only have five minutes for a match, there's not much room for you to draw people in and get people who don't know you or might not like you to get interested in this match. Mm-hmm. Um, and it was only the final two where I could feel the, the I think it's eight or 10,000 in Manchester Arena and the Man Arena, like come together as, a, as one unit to watch the final two matches. And mm-hmm. everybody was on board with who we liked and who we didn't like. And, uh, and that was very much helped by the people in those matches and mm-hmm. the moves that they did and the, in, with, and the intensity with which they did it. And with the final match, which was supposed to be um, The Undertaker, in fact, uh, but as we were told by a little piece of paper, he wasn't there because his wife was about to give birth, <laughs> crushing my dreams of ever seeing The Undertaker live, most likely. <laughs> uh, I, I mean, it's the right call. Please be with your wife. 
But in retrospect, he divorced her and he's now with somebody else. So was it really that important, Undertaker? I don't think so. Uh, <laughs> sorry. It's not true. Uh, he made the right call. Uh, against Brock Lesnar. And Brock Lesnar is, is a revered, uh, well, he fought in the UFC. Like, he's a monster of a man. Mm-hmm. Also, something like on TV, he looks like a, a giant. Like, a, But when you see him live, it really takes your breath away. It's like, Jesus Christ, that that's not normal. Wow. Like, if, if he even looks at me, I'm going to get knocked out. Like, <laughs> it's that type of, like, intensity. Of, oh, my God, that's a mountain of a man. My God. Uh, but to replace The Undertaker was the underdog Edge. And um, at that point, this wrestler Edge was very much, you know, not a main eventer. He wasn't in the main events. He was mm-hmm. just gotten out of a tag team and very much in the middle of the cards most of the time. Very popular tag team, mind you. Uh, but still very much a middle of the card guy. So not, quote unquote, realistic to ever defeat Brock Lesnar. Mm-hmm. Now, even without that, even had it been The Undertaker in there, everybody kind of knew that Brock Lesnar would win Mm -hmm. because this was a UK only event and WWE is not in the habit of changing titles uh, if it's not in America and if it's not on a pay-per-view event. Mm -hmm. Like if there's a title match on TV, it's very rare that a title actually changes hand on pay-per-view. Very possible, very Mm -hmm. likely or much more likely, I should say. So when you go see WWE without any television uh, cameras present, no titles are going to change hands because they have to take care of continuity. Right. <laughs> they can't do that. <laughs> uh, next week on TV, like everybody needs to have the same titles they had uh, last week on TV. Because otherwise, like, yeah, somebody beat somebody at a live event. Sorry, sorry, you weren't there. It was very exciting and people loved it. But yeah, we, we couldn't show millions of people at home. Um, so that just doesn't happen. And even though this was a pay-per-view event, it was for the UK only. So it, it would be weird for, for them to do this at a small market. And now Edge was in it as well. So it's like, well, now this is definitely not going to happen. And as the match progressed, the storytelling device they had implemented uh, started kicking in and started winning everybody over Mm -hmm. into, you know, eight to 10,000 people believing, oh, this might actually happen. Mm -hmm. Because it wasn't just Edge against Brock Lesnar. It was Edge versus Brock Lesnar and his manager, Paul Heyman. Uh, also a name worth googling. A, a, a man with a rich history in the business, but not a wrestler. He's mm-hmm. he's a he's a he's a he's also his nickname these days is Paulus. <laughs> like he's a big <laughs> fat man, not athletic at all. But boy, such a wonderful character and a great manager to have alongside you with the ring because he emotes. He tells you'll know what's happening and what's important just by looking at him. Mm-hmm. Like he's the flight attendant essentially. If you just look at Paul Heyman, you can still know what's going on in the match. Like and the, which is what a, a wrestler at, at ringside needs to do. But now Edge could pin Paul Heyman and win the championship. So there was sort of this realistic way for this mid-carder to win the title. Hmm. And I say realistic because if you're still sitting at home listening, yeah, but it's fake. So why wouldn't it be realistic for them? Well, like this, I'm going to go back to Game of Thrones. It's like, well, Jon Snow has to beat somebody. It can't just be this side character that we haven't really followed in the main storyline that just comes along and slices a dragon in a half. Yeah. Like if that were to happen, you're like, why the hell did that just happen? Yeah. We, if he was important, you would have showed me that he was important by yeah. dedicating more time to him. And in wrestling, it's the exact same. And that just takes time. It takes time and um, for everybody to get invested and to be like, yeah, we'll, we'll buy you as a main event person who is worthy of winning the title. And that could take years, sometimes mm-hmm. decades uh, for that moment to happen. Um, 
So when and within that match, so everybody started to feel like this. Wait, this could happen. He could win the title. That would be amazing. Mm-hmm. And then Paul Heyman took out a steel chair, a steel chair, which at that point, pretty much every single week on TV, somebody would get hit in the head with a steel chair. And these days, people don't get hit in the head anymore because we know about brain trauma. Mm. And so that doesn't happen. If somebody gets hit with a steel chair, steel chair, it's in the back because mm-hmm. that's that's a white surface area. The energy disperses much better. It still hurts like a motherfucker. <laughs> like, there's no way to really fake a chair shot uh, when you mm-hmm. hit somebody in the back. Like if you kind of brush somebody, it doesn't look good. It doesn't make a good sound. So you need to swing that thing. And that's exactly how you feel. But because for like three years on WWE television, every single week somebody would get hit in the head with with a chair, you're kind of numb to it. Or at least that's what I thought. Mm. Because when he took out that chair, you could feel this <gasps> this gasp throughout the entire arena. Like, oh my God, mm. he's about to hit Edge with a chair. And when he took a swing at him, it like you don't want it to happen. Even though every single week you're like, yeah, hit him in the head, hit him in the head. And now you're you're watching. Go, please don't. And like in in this match, he swings hard and he ducks. But I just remember, like, nobody even got hit with that chair. Nobody mm-hmm. even got hit. And it was such an exciting and thrilling and anxious, more importantly, moment when it started mm-hmm. happening. Because even, like I said, all the moves hit a bit harder when you're there live. Because it's harder to ignore that they're actual human beings. Mm-hmm. Because it's right there in front of you. Like, oh, these are yeah. human beings falling on on uh, onto the canvas. Um, yeah, the canvas, which is just, is mostly wood, steel, and a bit of foam in between. Mm-hmm. Like, that's it. Um, same for the ring ropes, for instance. That's just, In WWE, that's the only organization still that those are actual ropes with some tape around it. That's it. And yeah, it's one of the first things when you start training. If you watch any YouTube clip of somebody's like, I'm here in a ring, in WWE ring, and I'm going to do some training. Running the ropes is super tiring and hurts. <laughs> so even that... Which looks so like almost comforting. It was like, yeah, just fling yourself, and it's like a trampoline, right? You just fall into it. It's like, nope, no. you need to learn how to do that because if you don't, you'll hurt yourself. Oh man! <laughs> but that anxiety of, oh, but this, like, there's no way to fake this, it, and it is very much that marriage, um, and and it's a, a, a sort of a constant moral battle almost, where it's the only thing that tips it to the good side for me is that they're not actually trying to hurt each other, right? And they made an agreement with each other that if it does happen, that's okay. <laughs> like if it if an accident does happen, that's on them. Mm-hmm. Um, I can I can name two things that play into this. Uh, one, Penn and Teller, mm-hmm. as a magic duo, they are very convinced, and I'm right there with them. If as a magician, um, you have an illusion that uh, puts you in danger. Mm-hmm. morally that's if actual danger i mean that's wrong mm-hmm. it's called an illusion and it needs to be an illusion mm-hmm. at no point should you be in actual danger otherwise you're you're holding the audience captive mm-hmm. and that's unfair right because they because they did not sign up for that right the other is jackass <laughs> like i love jackass back in the day and yeah. but it only the parts where they're doing shit to themselves i hate it still do the parts where they do shit to strangers. Yeah. Right? So it's like, well, they didn't sign up for that. I don't I don't like that as much. And luckily, it, it's most of it is done to themselves. But like, no, but y- you can make an agreement with yourself or others that, hey, we're going to do this and mm-hmm. we might get hurt. 
but we're going to have fun with it. Mm-hmm. Um, so that, and if that's not in place, then it becomes hard to enjoy. If somebody, and like there have been moments throughout wrestling history where where uh, somebody's not working, but there's actual shot, and that it changes the energy instantly, and it's not fun to watch, mm. and it's not comfortable. But it's like a real if a real fight happens. It's uncomfortable. A real fight is no fun. Mm-hmm. Nobody wants to watch an actual fight happen. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, you want to see, but you do want to see two boxes in a ring who have agreed to be there. Yeah, and yeah. they're fighting under certain rules and there are guidelines for them. Like that's okay. Yeah, but an actual fight is very uncomfortable to watch and no fun. Yeah, uh, yeah. So that kind of helps a person if if he climbs onto a structure and falls down, you know, twenty feet to to uh, through a table, uh, which is there to break his fall, like. It weirdly enough, that's the thing that saves him. If he mm-hmm. just jumps twenty feet to the ground, that kills him, or like mm-hmm. that breaks bones. But the fact that it's through a table, like oh, that now he's kind of okay, yeah. as okay as you can be falling through a table from twenty feet. Um, but you know that he's not forced to do that. He's doing that out of his own accord, and the person he's doing that to is also okay with that. Yeah. Um, and that's usually important. If that's not there, then yeah. That's no fun for anybody. Yeah. <laughs> but that is the thing that gets you through these anxious things. Because if if that's not the case, it's no fun, and you, yeah, you you don't you definitely don't come back to that. Yeah, I think that's actually a very interesting point or thought that you now have put in my head. Because indeed, like when I was younger and I thought it was real, I was like, I'm not interested in watching this. I don't. I, I it scares me. Yeah. I don't want to watch people beat each other up like this. No. But now that I know there's there's an agreement and there's a set of rules, let's say, right? There's a format that we're watching. This is the universe that we're living in right now where this is possible. Um, These people have agreed to this and me as an audience member, I have agreed to watch this and be taken care of. I think I keep coming back to that. Like as an audience member, I want to be taken care of. Yeah. In that sense. Yeah. 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 But there, and but there's a bit of a, a of an agreement of a silent agreement with the audience to the performers that that's that that agreement is in fact there. Mm-hmm. I mean, you and I both are are active in the improv world, mm-hmm. <clears throat> and um, when you go watch a play, and there's kissing in it, mm-hmm. there's not a question in your mind that that's okay and that that's agreed upon, even if the scene, for instance, is an asshole forcing himself on somebody. It's like, yeah. well, this is a play, so obviously they've run through this in rehearsal and if there was an issue it would have been brought up and like yeah these are two people that are okay with that but because improv is not written down even if it's a loving kiss you need to have an, a silent agreement with yourself with the actors like i'm gonna trust that you talked about this because mm-hmm. if you didn't i don't know how to feel about this mm-hmm. even if it's the most wonderful like sweet romantic kiss that's happening on stage yeah, I, I don't know. It's like if that's, I'm assuming everybody talked about it beforehand. It's like, hey, what are you comfortable with and what not? Because mm-hmm. um, otherwise every sort of physical touch that's uh, romantically intended in improv becomes, can become very uncomfortable uh, because it leaves room for you to interpret stuff. Or it's like, hey, yeah, you, you've set up this storyline where this person, man or woman, really can't say no to this because otherwise, oh, he's the asshole or... She's the asshole for saying no to this mm-hmm. physical approach um, because that's denying the storyline and that's not good improv. Mm-hmm. It's like, and I don't, I don't ever want to have that thought. And the same goes for wrestling. Like, I'm assuming everybody who's in there enjoys some form of physicality mm-hmm. and enjoys some form of, of, yeah, of getting physical with somebody and roughing around for, <laughs> yeah, lack yeah. of a better term, uh, 
enjoys that. It's like, uh, I mean, I understand that from from a judo perspective, where yeah, there's close physical contact and there's constant and there's constant contact with your opponent. It's not yeah. like boxing; like you're constantly holding on to your opponent, and you're constantly feeling his movement, and you can get very close. But obviously, with wrestling, even more so. So there has to be a part where they enjoy that, and there's 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 a quick thing where some matches are are more athletic for instance uh and there's some matches which are reported to be like from the commentary booth to be oh this is a very physical match mm. and you can sometimes all even even as uh, uh somebody who doesn't watch wrestling you can tell the difference between like oh i think he's kind of laying it in more and not pulling his punches that much like they're landing more and more uh than the other match uh, and sometimes that they they can feel sometimes it's just the person itself the wrestler, like, that's just the way they work. That's how they enjoy wrestling. That's how they, uh, or, you know, that's what the character calls for, whatever it may be. Um, mm-hmm. And sometimes that's what the storyline calls for. So it's like if two wrestlers feel that, all right, we're at the conclusion of our storyline and this storyline has gotten super intense and we can't hold back our punches. We need to lay it in close and, 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 and need to look, make this look as real as possible. Um, and in, in the duration of the match, I might actually hit you. And if that happens, I'm sorry, Mm. but we're going to say, I'm sorry before we go out there. Mm -hmm. (laughs) So, because when you're out there, it is just the two of you essentially. Mm -hmm. And you need to trust on that other person to take care of you at all times because you're throwing each other around and you're punching each other. And, uh, yeah, if, if, if there's any doubt that the other person is there to intentionally harm you. Yeah, now you're in a world of trouble. So, with wrestling, there is this thing of a very common thing of, all right, I'm sorry, and I'll see you out there. Yeah. <laughs> Let's just say we're sorry right now. Yeah. And that, and then, so, and there, there, there's this weird brotherhood that's there in, and in, in, in physical, in physical sports anywhere. It's, it's, it is that weird thing of, all right, we're gonna go to battle together, and mm-hmm. um, that forms a weird bond, mm-hmm. and. I certainly don't want to use the term. Well, that's 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 a locker room for you, because uh, it's not. <laughs> because I I see the same thing happening if you've done a, sh- a particular improv show together, mm. where it was a special show. Like, all right, even if you don't see each other for the next decade, you still you'll still have that bond yeah. and that trust of oh, I can go out with you to the stage and do something, and it'll I can trust you. Yeah, and explicitly, like it's fine. Um. So like that that's kind of the same. But mm-hmm. you're 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 absolutely right and if that's not present then it becomes very uncomfortable to watch and if you believe any of it is real then it becomes super uncomfortable to watch. Yeah. Pretty much all of it. <laughs> all of it, including all of the costumes yeah. and the face painting and <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> true. I mean it is true. Yeah. Yeah, that is very true. Um when it's Yeah. yeah. Sorry. You were about to ask something. I'll yeah. shut up. <laughs> Um, I I forgot what I was gonna ask. Uh, I was gonna bring back the theatricality of that because when he does go up to that tall structure and then jump to the table, mm-hmm. that entire route takes about two to three minutes. Like there's yeah. a build up to it. Yeah. He, he doesn't rush up and then just jump off. No, he 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 lets that breathe and gives it time to let it sink in to all the people watching. Like. Oh, this is going to happen. Yeah. He's going to jump. Yeah. Because if he does it quickly, you have zero time to register um, what's about to happen. Uh, and it, it, doesn't, it doesn't feel as good as well. Mm-hmm. Like, it, it, you don't get the same uh, 
satisfaction from mm-hmm. it um, of such a big moment. But that goes even for like punches. And there's a different rhythm to those uh, yeah. for it to and um, and the usage of different rhythms. So the theatricality of that uh, is what is what keeps coming for me is the reason to keep coming back to it and yeah. to see uh, who does it in what way uh, yeah. essentially. So yeah, that's where the face paint comes into it <laughs> once again. It's like, well, if somebody does do face paint, why? Right. And there's a wide variety of reasons even for face paint. But th- yeah, it's very. I guess that's what I want to say. It's very heavily married, the physicality to the theatricality. Yeah. Like if, if those are disconnected, it's no fun. Mm. So okay, <laughs> so you've mentioned theatric theatricality, physicality. Those are like two sort of like words keywords let's say about wrestling mm-hmm. that you're like oh this is something that brings me back to it this is something that i'm interested in uh what would be like the, a third keyword if you were to like write a little outline <laughs> and you had wrestling at the top and then you had three bullet points and you had theater i mean you you can change them as well but i'm i'm putting these words in your mouth now because this is what yeah. i heard theatricality <laughs> They're, they're your own words, Emil. Don't spit them out. That's right. Physicality. <laughs> and then what would be the third one? Physicality, theatricality. Um, oh. Do, 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 do. Oh, there's so much in theatricality. Because mm. I was about to say, oh, emotion. Like, well, that's part of theatricality. Mm-hmm. Legacy. Like, well, that's legacy in history is part of theatricality. Um, yeah, I don't. I don't know if there would be a third necessarily but that's only because theatricality is so all-encompassing to me um but kind of the biggest opponent component sorry (laughs) freudian freudian slip uh not the biggest opponent component um of of the reason why i love wrestling so much like when anybody asked me all right all right well what what match should i watch Mm. um to, to get into wrestling or to make me understand wrestling. Mm. There's one match that I will, I will uh, point them to, and that's Ric Flair, Shawn Michaels. Mm-hmm. Uh, Ric Flair, pe- people might know, just because one of the offset from the Migos uh, did a song with them two years ago, <laughs> Ric Flair Drip. Ric Flair is hugely, hugely popular within hip-hop. Um, because Ric Flair's character uh, from the 70s onward has been one of... Uh, uh, wheeling, dealing, kiss stealing, limousine riding, uh, limousine riding, jet flying, uh, kiss stealing, son of a gun. A guy who makes a lot of money and spends a lot of money and is mm-hmm. adored by all the women on the planet. Uh, <laughs> that was his character. Um, but he himself came from humble beginnings, and that mm-hmm. very much resonates within the hip hop industry and and culture. Uh, it's the American dream, essentially, and. But so he is considered by many, many fans to be the best to ever do it. Mm. Great, like he, the the best combination of being able to talk, cut promos, uh, as is referred to, to like get people into the building, to sell the storyline, to sell people on himself, mm-hmm. and his like, and that married to his in ring abilities, which wasn't the most technical. He's not the the musliest of man, but he was a bad guy, so that kind of worked in his favor. It's like he should not be able to beat this bigger dude, but mm-hmm. he does because he's slightly smarter, um, and, and plays a little dirtier in the ring and gets away with stuff when the referee is not looking. Um, so, so he, and he was amazing at that, and uh, like I said, from the seventies onward, and he he uh, carried a cha- like he's sixteen time world champion. Mm-hmm. 
Uh, and to make it to explain that for a little bit, how can you be a world champion if it's all like scripted? Well, every organization has a world championship, <laughs> and that's just and that, honestly, that's just American culture. It's like the Major League Baseball, the the, the World Series. It's just America. Yeah. <laughs> all right, calm down. Uh, but like again, that's uh, I mean that is essentially American culture, like making it as big as possible. Uh, we're gonna, we're the, the World Series. Like it's two American teams. One. Like, yeah. Stop it. Um, <laughs> it's Atlanta versus New York. <laughs> that's what it is. Um, the the but so back in those days, like I said, there were territories. The, the, the but he was a world champion, um, a national world champion. So he would travel through all these territories to defend his championship. And he was amazing at that because he could make the local hero look amazing and good. Mm. Um, Shawn Michaels is equally legendary and would certainly be in the conversation of top five wrestlers of all time. Mm-hmm. Good good on the mic, but even more so amazing in the ring. Mm. Uh, also a smaller wrestler, not a big hulky guy like Hulk Hogan. Um, great, yeah. One of the, I would say one of the best, if not the best in ring storyteller uh of all time to mm-hmm. me and they had a match at wrestlemania 24 back in 2008 which was the retirement match of rick flair and truly was supposed to be at that point rick flair was 56 or something like that 57 mm-hmm. um and there was they had the storyline going into this wrestlemania of hey every single match you wrestle from this point onward might be your last if you lose you retire that's mm-hmm. it uh, as this, you know, as the boss Vince McMahon, who's also a character on, in, you know, in the TV show uh, as well, you know, but that he's actually the owner. So, again, reality and theatrics yeah. get blurred. Uh, put, you know, but he's an evil guy. He's he's the he's the bad guy on television. So he put the like any, you know, from this point onward, anytime you wrestle, your career is on the line. And then Ric Flair challenged Shawn Michaels for this match's WrestleMania because pride. If you that there is such a thing as uh, you know if you're if you're in this in the wrestling business and you don't want to become world champion get out mm-hmm. like that's a very in sports same thing if you're playing football and you don't want to win the Super Bowl get out if you're in baseball and don't want to roll, win the World Series get out what are you doing here mm-hmm. we're not here for fun <laughs> like it's that pride <laughs> that that comes into it right and so he challenges Shawn Michaels who at that point also like a veteran in his forties. It's like I want to. I want to face you at WrestleMania because if I can't compete with you, then I don't want to compete at all. And Shawn Michaels says, "But I no, because I respect you. I can't right. do that." Which which is very real. Like Shawn Michaels grew up watching Ric Flair, watching one of the all time greats, admiring him, idolizing him, yeah. and meeting one of your heroes. Like yeah, you don't want to be the cause of your hero's downfall. So no. <laughs> and then walks away, and then the next week comes back. And and it says like, I if, if you need to grant me this match, like just from man to man, yeah. and if if you do respect me so much, then you need to give me Shawn Michaels, you know, Mister WrestleMania, the icon, the showstopper, the main event, all the mm. nicknames that he's earned over the years, um, you know, in storyline. But truthfully, at a certain point, if you've done enough like good matches, that you you'll, you'll get your your nicknames, mm-hmm. um. But at certainly at that point, Shawn Michaels had the he doesn't he can't really have a bat match, and he was kind of insinuating if I face you, I can't go all all out because I will not be known as the man who retired Ric Flair. Right. I refuse. I'm not Ooh. gonna have that. See, I'm already invested. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and then he he finally agrees to it, 
and he starts to walk away in the ring and then stops and turns around and starts talking to Ric Flair and, and he says, uh, well, you've seen the movie Old Yeller. <gasps> <laughs> so by that reaction, you've seen the movie Old Yeller. For those who don't know, Old Yeller is a movie about a, a beloved dog who gets rabbit and they put the dog down. Like, it's a, it's a, you cry. It's, it's a heart-wrenching movie. But it's mainly known for, yeah, the dog gets shot. And it's yep. heartbreaking, heart-wrenching. So he just, he just says, the, well, do you know Old Yeller? And Ric Flair says nothing and just keeps looking at him. And he says, they had to put that dog, take that dog behind the shed and put him down. And that's what I'm going to do to you at WrestleMania. And Ric Flair, like, takes that in and just starts, Old Yeller, I'm Old Yeller, I'm Old And starts slapping Shawn Michaels in the face. How dare you? How dare you? Like, you say you respect me with this. But this was such a wonderful theatrical change in, all right, I'll agree to this, and I'm going to give you Shawn Michaels, Mr. WrestleMania, the icon, the main event, the showstopper. Mm-hmm. And that includes the, the, the psychological battle. And so going into that match, you have a 56-year-old man who's way past his prime, <laughs> right? But an absolute icon. If you go to any sports event in America and sit, and the game hasn't started yet, you will hear, woo, throughout the arena. <laughs> Fact. just happens. You yeah. might even hear it at concerts. Yeah. <laughs> it's just, nope. Like, a lot of people probably don't know it. that. Ric Flair, 1974, that's him. Mm. Uh. And it, it's popular because it's not just the one way that he uses it. He can have a soft woo in a promo as well. It's, it's yeah, it's a multifunctional word. <laughs> <laughs> and then you have Shawn Michaels, who not quite like pretty much in his prime nearing the end of it, but is, is way more physically capable than Ric Flair. Hmm. And so why this becomes a good match, it, it has an incredible setup that it draws you in. You, you understand the stakes. And then it goes at a slow enough pace to understand all the physical story elements that are in that match. Mm-hmm. Because at the beginning, whenever they lock up, uh, Ric Flair shows signs of life, if you will. Mm-hmm. This is not going to be an easy match for Shawn Michaels. Mm-hmm. He's not going to be able to put him away that easily. Ric Flair's got a couple of tricks up his sleeve. Ric Flair doesn't just... He's not going to be just taken behind the shed and put down. That's yeah. not going to happen. And, 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 you know, Shawn Michaels is the, is the person, like, that's selling it, uh, who portrays, all right, you're a little bit stronger than I thought you'd be. That's okay. Okay, you're, you're still technically pretty sound. All right, I need to work with that. I can't just, you know, put you in your place, essentially. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and then Shawn Michaels, uh, like, one of the storytelling devices within wrestling is a finishing move. So every wrestler has a specific move, which will end the match for them, a finishing move. Uh, that's a little blurry these days, uh, <laughs> but I think still when you go into a wrestling game, you can assign a signature move and a finishing move. Mm. And kind of what that means is that move just deals way more damage, if you will. Like from a video game perspective, a punch is like 12 XP, but a finishing move is 50. You know what I mean? Right. It's just, ooh, that's that takes a lot more out of the health bar than all the other moves. And it can even be a move that another wrestler performs. But if it's your finishing move, you, like, oh, your technique is that much better, it, it just deals more damage. Mm-hmm. So uh, other people can kick somebody in the face mm-hmm. <laughs> that doesn't do as much damage as Shawn Michaels performing his super kick. Right. Because that's his finishing move. 
And so there's a moment in that match where he has an opportunity to perform that super kick. And the way that he does it is very theatrical. Like, you have so much time to get drawn in. He stands in a corner, grabs a rope, starts stomping his feet to the ground like the old clapping in, in a stadium. And there's, there's a rhythm behind it. And he starts tiptoeing like Fred Flintstone when he's bowling. <laughs> starts starts doing that. And then it's a, it's there's a, so there's a wonderful rhythm to it. Boom. Hit somebody in the face. Down for the count. Out. So when that moment happens, he starts that rhythm starts happening. And then he stops mid in his tracks, midway. Just can't do it. And then Ric Flair almost pins him. And the commentating in that is is crucial. But it's good enough that if you're in the stadium, that tracks because he set that up before about talking mm-hmm. about old Yeller and taking him behind and putting a bullet in his head. That's his bullet. That's Shawn mm-hmm. Michaels' bullet with which he's gonna put down Ric Flair, put him out of his misery. Mm-hmm. But he can't do it. He can't pull the trigger. There's a moment there where he watches the humanity of Ric Flair in that moment and He's the little Shawn Michaels again, idolizing him, yeah. and he can't do that. <gasps> and that's sort of midway through the match. And then so when it at the end of that match, and I get goosebumps every time it? I talk. Don't spoil it. It's too good to like when it, you don't want to hear it? I don't know. I don't know. <laughs> I don't know if I do. I'm like, now I, uh, I don't know. I don't. Oh. No, let's leave it there. Let's leave it there. Like If, you, if you're not, I don't know. For everybody out there, was like, wait, 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 no, finish that story. All right, well, you go to the go to the WWE Network. The first month is is free, <laughs> so you can just <laughs> sign up and watch this one match and then get out. Uh, yeah, watch that with the video package in front of it. And I dare you not at the end of the match to I I dare anybody to not walk away from the match going, okay, I kind of get it. Mm. Mm. I do not expect you to fall in love with it. I do right. not expect you to. Walk away with a complete understanding if you've never watched wrestling. But I, f- I find it hard to deny 80,000 people in a stadium um, having simultaneous goosebumps, if not crying. Mm. Uh, because that probably is the most emotional moment in wrestling. Mm-hmm. Also, because it was real. Ric Flair yeah. did retire after that match. Not really, because he wasn't good with money, and he needed money after that, and he kept wrestling for a different organization for two more years. That's a whole different story, but he never wrestled in WWE again. Right, yeah. (laughs) And Shawn Michaels was an admirer of him, and this was truly emotional. Like, I'm going to have this last match with him. I need to make him look good. Ric Flair recently has come out in a couple of interviews talking about this match, saying that um, right before the match, uh, so when, 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 when you're in there together, there's usually one person calling the match, mm-hmm. saying what's going to happen next. They're in charge of the storytelling of that match. Mm. Uh, they're like they're the chef of that dish, mm. essentially. Like they're the ones <laughs> deciding what's going to go in and what's not. Mm-hmm. But, but, and they know what ingredients the other person is bringing to the table. Right. Uh, and if you're really good at that, you're called a ring general, which is a little bit of lingo thrown in there. <laughs> The ring general. Rick, I love that. And, yeah, and ring Ric Flair is one of the greatest ring generals of all time because he had to defend this championship against all these different wrestlers yeah. uh, throughout all these different territories. Uh, but right before the match, Shawn Michaels told him, like, sh- shut up and listen. Okay. Like, this is, this is going to, I mean, this is your night, but this is also my night. And Shawn Michaels, I think, was very aware that Ric Flair physically couldn't go as the Ric Flair of old. Mm-hmm. And um, Rick and Rick Flair has said he based Shawn Michaels had a match with himself that night. Mm-hmm. Um, I could I might as well not have been there. <laughs> uh, 
in the sense that I just needed to follow him. Any yeah. anybody could have kind of done that match in my position. Obviously yeah. not with the same emotional outcome or output because he's Rick fucking Flair. <laughs> but which is a saying in wrestling. He he, uh, he he Shawn Michaels can have a match with a broomstick. <laughs> That's when you know you're good. If you can have a match with a broomstick, essentially, then you're a good wrestler. If you can make the broomstick look powerful and imposing, mm. then you, you're doing a good job. Mm. Uh, and, and there's only so many wrestlers in the industry that can actually do that. But um, apparently, Shawn Michaels that night was like, no, I'm calling all this move in the mat. This is my story that I'm telling for you. Uh, and even though I think anybody can enjoy that match or it's a good stepping stone as far as understanding wrestling and what mm. wrestling is all about within that match it is so unbelievably complex the story that they're telling just move wise there's mm. references to uh rick flair's moveset and things that he would do throughout his career mm -hmm. uh that don't land if you don't know who the fuck rick flair is and haven't watched uh, you know a hundred of his matches yeah um and that's like so that match can only happen after 40 years yeah <laughs> which is and everybody knows that when you're watching that, you realize this is a unique match because th th there's only there's only one Ric Flair, there's only one Shawn Michaels. Yeah. Only these two people can tell this particular story, and yeah. I mean, and that adds so much to uh, the 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 emotion and theatricality of the match. Yeah. Um, and it's wonderful when you can catch it because you're being rewarded for paying attention, uh, and it does happen from time to time with smaller stories as well uh john cena uh a lot of people these days will probably know you know he he's on he, he was the he's the most recent hulk hogan essentially <laughs> like face of the company uh not for the last three years or so four years uh, but before that a good 12 years face of the company uh hugely important he had a match with daniel bryan and uh, where they had met um three four years prior to this championship match. And I only saw the, the other, the first encounter that they had, like months after that, just, mm. you know, do, doing some research essentially. <laughs> and I realized watching that, like, holy shit, they just copied the first five minutes of that match mm. and they did it again just because this was the second time they did it and they were still trying to feel each other out and throwing all these references from that first encounter in there. Mm -hmm. So it, it happens quite a bit. Um, but it's usually, it's like a good reference within improv, I would say. <laughs> a good, like, pop culture reference within improv doesn't destroy the scene. It doesn't take away from it. It works on its own merits, even if you don't know what they're talking right. about. The mechanism still does its job. Yeah. But you enjoy that much more, more if you do get the reference. Yeah, and I think that's uh, what, that, that's like, kind of um, I find admirable and inspiring when when I realized how deep into wrestling you were it's because there is such a rich history and there's so much so much to learn about it and to mm, consume right and you have consumed and you know a lot and and even you yourself say like oh but i don't know everything like there's still yeah. so much more that i uh don't know yeah yeah i find i, I i'm I only kind of know most of the history of the WWE slash WWF. I'm only now sort of starting to gather the entire picture of WCW, their main competitor mm -hmm. during the 90s, which was the first wrestling that I saw. It's just that I made a quick 
you know, uh, moved to WWF <laughs> for whatever reason. Um, I can't tell you why. Maybe because it was slightly more readily available uh, to me. I mean, which probably was the reason. Um, but I'm only now starting to piece that together. It took it took me ages to figure out. Oh, the National Wrestling Alliance morphed into the WCW, like mm-hmm. that kind of stuff. Where it's like, oh, that the history of that championship goes back further than just the mid '90s. Right. Uh, and then, you know, when WWF bought WCW at a certain point, then, oh, wait, what is now the history of this? And what, you know, what happened there? Uh, and, uh, and that's just organizations, never mind wrestlers. Yeah. Like what, if they jump organizations and what their character was or wasn't or who they faced prior and who, who they didn't. It, I mean, and that's impossible to uh, take in, uh, you know, all of it. So you also <laughs> kind of trust everybody to tell the stories that they need to tell <laughs> yeah. yeah um and it's very much a mo- so there's no there's no such thing as like a definitive the Shawn michaels rick flair match is the closest i can come to a definitive match as far as that's self-contained enough mm-hmm. but at the same time has the most history to it yeah um because it used to be uh the wrestlemania that i pointed to you first wrestlemania 17 they're like overall, that's a that's a damn decent pay per view with very little bad matches in there, and they're all enjoyable and on their own. But the main event between The Rock and Stone Cold Steve Austin, mm-hmm. I mean, that it, it's it's held as probably the best WrestleMania of all time, and that match certainly is one of the best main events of all time, and the best match of that rivalry. Mm-hmm. Yet at the end of that match, there's a bit of business afterwards. Uh, the, the 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 Stone Cold Steve Austin goes from a good guy to a bad guy. That kind of tarnishes that, and if you just watch that on your own, at the end of that, you're like, "What the hell? What the hell is going on? What's happening?" Yeah. <laughs> it's, it gets confusing because you yeah. don't know uh, the before and after. Yeah. <laughs> and even within that match, there's a storyline involving Stone Cold's wife. With every time when you watch that match, you're like, "Oh yeah, they they completely ignored that at a certain point, but that was part of the setup." Uh, yeah, it's just things get lost in time. Uh, same thing with like the popularity of, of certain wrestling eras, for instance, is no, there's always, and then you come back to the, it's, it's deeply flawed. It's yes, there's very, very good wrestling. That is uh, the most involved theater that you can have the most interactive theater you can have. Mm. Uh, I, I would argue and have argued that it's only wrestling and improv that can only really work if there's an audience there. Mm. Um, it can only reach its true potential with an audience there. Otherwise, it it just doesn't it doesn't have the yeah. same thing. It can be pretty good yeah. because we've all like if you're in if you're in the improv world, you've had rehearsals and you've had the best of times. Yeah. But with an audience there, it's different. Yeah. You get a different outcome. Um, and same goes for wrestling. The, they listen to the audience. They listen to what they need. If you if if there was a if there's a barn burner of a match right before and the audience is like put all their energy into it, the next match can't start at that same pace because yeah. then you destroy the audience. <laughs> the next match needs to calm the hell down and start with a, a headlock and just keep it there for the next five minutes. Bore the audience, let them catch their breath. <laughs> And then you can fire them up again. Yeah. Uh, so, yeah. So there, there's a whole rhythm there where, where I was like, that's where I learned how to put a show together and learning how an overall pay-per-view works. It's very much how I approach if I put together any show. Like, all right, well, what's important there? How how does the audience feel when they come in? How do we mm-hmm. how do we approach this? Uh, 
it, like the work ethic behind that, I feel to me is very um, like American in that sense. <laughs> Besides my accent. <laughs> well, this uh, yeah. is a beautiful uh, little return, actually, because you started with "I'm a Dutch boy," and here I am <laughs> at Dutch the boy. end. I you sound very American. <laughs> <laughs> but so my question to you is this, Emil, because we have now been speaking for almost, I think, an hour and a half. And that was my mission was to keep it under an hour and a half. <laughs> so my question to you is, oh, actually, yeah. wait, this doesn't count towards your time. OK, this is uh... <laughs> everybody stop their timers. Think... Stop your timers. <laughs> I actually think we did something very beautiful, something very wrestling like because yeah. we came back. We are making it seem like this is all real, but really we've spoken before. So there is a sense of a storyline that we already knew about, certain beats that we wanted to hit. I asked you, can you come back and be just as excited about wrestling the first time around? Do you feel you've actually accomplished your mission? I feel that I have. <laughs> I feel, and I noticed it halfway through, that I was in a much better flow and much less... I, I, I felt last time I was very erratic. Uh, and all over the place and i mm -hmm. felt i I've, I've even with wrestling being such a big subject that i i've told pretty concise stories yeah. and, and little bubbles of information that you can digest far more easily than me jumping around and getting excited about something else i hope it was still as excited as last time or speaking with some sort of passion because i certainly felt that but uh <laughs> <laughs> uh but yeah, as soon as I landed that, I've I very much felt like, and this is where we should probably end this because this is the this is the the match that we've now talked about last time. Essentially, we've had now in the ring, yeah. And this is where it will end for now. Yeah, ooh, snap. <laughs> <laughs> Like fine, you beat me this time, but uh, there will be a next time. Oh, I um, certainly yeah. hope so. I do want to <laughs> say to everyone, Emil, Emil taught me about wrestling through a beautiful <laughs> keynote presentation that I cannot Love stop talking about. Like maybe, you know, this this would be my podcast episode if someone's like, hey, what are you passionate about? I would say Emil's keynote presentation on wrestling. <laughs> it was the most <laughs> it was such a good presentation. And you know, you took time out to make that and set that all up. Um, that I, I really hope that someday you, I don't know, do some sort of big, big, big show of it and, and loads of people We're... see it. Yeah. The, in about two years, you'll see a, hi, my name is Emil and this is my TED talk. <laughs> and that's 20 minutes on wrestling, uh, with three slides. I, I honestly, I can't believe that I have a slide and I now I have made it a little bit of a point of pride. But I mainly use it as a joke if somebody, you know, comes up like, oh, so you love wrestling. It's like, yeah, I have about a three-hour presentation on my phone if you want to watch. <laughs> Just also to scare them off a little bit. Like, don't mm -hmm. test me because I will talk about this for a long time. Mm -hmm. This is the post-match interview quite clearly. Uh <laughs> Like you pimp me now. This is just well. How how did we get here? What, what how do you feel about it? Um, <laughs> but it, but it was also it, I mean because it took a while for, for me to get there and actually make that keynote presentation because mm -hmm. as I said before, it's like I've asked a bunch of times, are you sure? Because <laughs> I will do this because I like doing this. But then like I'm what I will demand is your attention because otherwise yeah. I I don't I don't I don't want to do it. I'm gonna feel deflated for him like putting all of this together. <laughs> 
Uh, <laughs> and then thankfully, you yeah, no, you you paid attention. <laughs> uh, <laughs> But it's it yeah it requires that like it, it requires the same commitment as a wrestling match quite frankly it's, it, look you need to be in this until the end because otherwise it's not worth it mm-hmm. like if you if you want to have a wrestling match you need to be committed otherwise it, it doesn't work yeah same thing with improv you yeah. need to be committed and I guess that's also where it translates to a lot of other stuff for me is as weird and carnival you know as it is and can be and how terrible it is it has a lot of like you. There's so many overlap with so many different things for me. Mm-hmm. But that is true of all those other things. I think if you dive deep into baseball, and I hope one of the things that starts happening with these bonus episodes that you're doing is that every person that's going to talk about the love that they have for something, you're going to start noticing that, oh, wait, this is kind of just the same thing as I heard in this interview. And I kind of, oh, wait a minute, this is the same as over here. It is happening. Um, it is happening? Well, that makes me very happy. Yeah, because I, w- one of my small missions in life is to knock people off of the pedestal that their taste is better than somebody else's. Mm. Um, and that, I, I can say that it's not influenced by wrestling, but it very much is. <laughs> like, if enough people tell you that wrestling is fucking dumb, and you're like, I love it. I absolutely mm-hmm. love this so much. And the more people say, oh, this is fake and dumb. Yeah, there, there comes a bit of a, like, a chip on your shoulder, like, all right, I'm going to prove to you how it's not dumb. Or if it is dumb, it is as dumb as the thing that you love. <laughs> and there, there's a whole bit of overlap for me personally with religion. Uh, mm. Like, people knocking different religions is silly. It is mm-hmm. like, well, your, oh, your God is better than mine is a weird thing to mm-hmm. say. It's like, well, to me, they're all made up. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> or, and as, as I think as Richard Dawkins put it quite nicely, like, there's roughly 2,900 gods in this unit, like, in the world. You believe in one of them. Like, you're about as atheist as I am. <laughs> you believe, only believe in one guy. Anyway, like, yeah, to knock somebody else's beliefs on that if, if, if when you have very similar things, you're just not aware of that. Like, I feel that's always a blind spot. Mm-hmm. And in my, like, I, I would not quickly say that I'm good at my job. I feel I'm good at some parts of my job. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's for other people to say. Uh, but if people within improv have enjoyed any any part of my work if there was any moment in a show where they went that was beautiful that was mm. like that was the right timing that was the right move i'm like that was the end of sean michaels rick flair essentially that's where i got that from mm. that's how i learned to take my time that's how i learned that it's okay to put this much emotion to infuse that in this particular moment to make everybody stop and turn their heads and look at what's happening over here on stage mm-hmm. uh that's why i learned to take the courage to make that moment happen like that's what wrestling has done for me Wow! wrestling is not the only place where you can get that though i'm convinced of that i can convince you you can find that in snowboarding (laughs) i'm sure that if i was a huge snowboarding fan there there would be tournaments and matches and and events where similar things happen Mm -hmm. i like last summer i watched a whole skating event and you 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 see if you watch a couple of those and they're up on youtube (laughs) like there's just three hour events you start to see sorry, the storyline of their season and who's yeah. good and who's not and who's good at what particular bit and who's fighting who's uh, or who's getting better. And, and feel like, yeah, there's always going to be that element. It's just wrestling is in control of that more so than any other. Yeah. Yeah. So I almost want to say that third component <laughs> is like the storytelling part of it. But would you would you then have that, I would I would say theatrical. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. I, I guess I guess that moves between physicality and like storytelling is very 
I guess theatric. Yeah, you could put storytelling in there. I guess theatricality is is the technique, and storytelling mm-hmm. is what happens between theatricality and physicality with, with mm-hmm. wrestling. Because storytelling is very much something for me, anyway, uh, that happens between the lines and between moves, uh, mm-hmm. and, and that just doesn't go for just wrestling. Mm-hmm. It's uh, hell. We I've been watching a lot of musicals <laughs> lately in the quarantine because two friends of mine uh, or one friend suggested, hey, we should watch Cats again. Mm-hmm. Uh, and now, like most recently, we watched Rent together the movie, and that led me to watch the live version they did last year of it, which was a, is a staged version mm-hmm. uh, rather than the movie, of course. And now I'm gonna watch the 2008 final Broadway performance. Right. But one of the things you notice in there for me is like, oh, the choreography and song and words, and the usage of words and the repetition of words and the tone of words all work together to tell different stories. Right. So it's not just saying the same thing. And that's very operatic, and mm-hmm. uh, and that comes back to the soap opera part of it. Mm-hmm. If you, if you, I don't know if you've ever watched uh, an opera live. I have. You have? Yeah. Did have. you have? Did you have? Uh, not subtitling, but surtitling when they yes. put it above. Yes. A lot of stuff gets repeated in an opera. Mm-hmm. It's like the the oh, is it Dido and Aeneas where there's like they're in a swamp and they're calling out for each other, and it's beautiful because you know it's. Uh, it, it's you know it's not in Dutch and it's not in English. It's Italian, I believe. I want to say. Do you know what it is? Oh boy, I might be wrong on that. But regardless, a language I don't understand, and there's beautiful melodies and whatnot. But the lyrics essentially are, "Where are you? Where are you? Where are you?" <laughs> it's just a repetition of words, but because of a different intonation and yep. uh, intonation and and uh, way they they um, you know uh, frame that word essentially, yeah. it gets a different meaning each time. Uh, so yeah, I guess that's storytelling and that happens because of theatricality and, and, uh, physicality. Yeah. Yeah. So it's a side effect. Uh-huh. <laughs> that you're, yeah. So it's a, yeah. It's a side effect you're trying to manifest <laughs> <laughs> between like, if I use my physicality in a theatrical way, I can tell a story. Right. Yeah. Yeah. So it's oh all very gosh. much hand in hand. Uh, amazing. <laughs> Emil. Emil, yes. Emil, 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 Emil. Thank you. Thank you for joining me. Um, I absolutely, I, I'm now definitely going to go look up that match. Although I think I've seen it before. No, I haven't because I didn't know how no, it ended. No, we talked about this last We've time. We talked about this, yeah. Because uh, I asked you, have you it. seen that? Because I do, like, it's, if you, if I ever meet you, if I make anybody watch a match, it's that match. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I was kind of surprised that you hadn't. It's like, oh, that's weird. That's out of character for me. <laughs> but the key, I'm, the keynote has a lot to do with that because I already covered a lot of ground with that, uh, mm. obviously. And so, yeah. Um, yeah, all of, now I don't feel, now I'm just going to, like, these random things I'm going to throw at you. Now now it's the mosaic storytelling. It's like, all right, and then you, now you need this bit, and now you'll appreciate this bit. And, oh, wait, you're into this? Then you also like this. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. yeah. But definitely watch it. It's so good. Yeah. We're bottling it up so that whoever listens to this has opened it, <laughs> has bathed in this enthusiasm, in this passion for wrestling. Perhaps they're now going to go look up this match. Maybe they'll reach out to you or to me if they don't know how to reach out to you to be like, hey, how can I know more? It's all please good. Please do. <laughs> yeah, no, please do. Please reach out. I'm always happy to talk wrestling. <laughs> thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you for joining me. You're so, 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 so welcome. Thank you for letting me uh, have a second go at this. <laughs> Even though it was mainly audio, but I, it, it's yeah, this was a better this was a better interview. Stop. <laughs>
We just had a better match. It's fine. <laughs> Stone Cold Steve Austin versus The Rock won at WrestleMania 15 was is a good match. It's fine. But WrestleMania 17 is a better, more emotional match. And then 19 is far more emotional <laughs> than that. So it just builds. So I can't wait to talk to you next time. <laughs> <laughs>